Our second lesson for today comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church today. As God's holy ones, chosen and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, indeed to which you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, take our meager words and give them meaning. Take our hard hearts and hold them open. Take our ears and fill them up with your truth. Come, Holy Spirit, come, whether we are ready or not. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, it's hard to believe, but Christmas Day is over. All that planning and preparation and shopping and stress, all the rush and hustle to make everything just right, the ironing of the Christmas outfits, the picking out of the perfect matching Christmas pajamas, and just the right gifts wrapped and in their place, all the fabulous cooking I bet you did, all the rush to get here early to make sure you got just the right seat for Christmas Eve. Maybe you have a few small celebrations left, as some of us do, because it's just so hard to fit it all into one day. But the main event, the big to-do, it's over. Christ has come, Emmanuel. Even though many of our festivities are over, today is part of the Christmas season. It's part of the 12 days of Christmas. It may feel like Christmas Day is the culmination or the ending of this season, but Christmas Day actually marks the beginning of the Christmas season. It's about the 12 days that follow, not the 12 days that lead to Christmas. So don't switch to your Valentine's decorations just yet. Today, we continue our Christmas celebration. This part of the Christmas season tends to be a little quieter. So we move past the frantic rush and push of shopping season. We're given another opportunity to be reminded what is at the heart of our celebration. I read a story recently about a pastor who was visiting a local hospital before Christmas. He says, 
I stopped at the front desk to find the room number of the patient I was to visit. The woman sitting at the desk was talking to another hospital employee. They stopped their conversation to give me the room number. When they realized I was a clergy person, one of them asked, can you believe that? And she pointed to the nativity set on the desk counter. It took me a moment to realize what she was talking about. Somebody stole Jesus. Can you believe that? And in fact, Jesus was missing. I had to laugh. There was Mary and Joseph and a shepherd and a donkey and a sheep, but no Jesus. It reminded me of the 40-piece nativity set I bought a few years ago, had 39 pieces in it, and no baby Jesus. Somebody stole Jesus right off this counter. Can you believe that? I didn't know how to respond, so I offered, I guess somebody really took Christ out of Christmas. They just stared at me. So I tried again. Maybe he's in the hospital making rounds and he'll be back when he's done. Maybe the person who needed him, who took him really needed Jesus. I don't think they really understood my attempt at humor, he says. So I said, well, I hope they bring him back soon. And I went on my way. During these 12 days of Christmas, amidst the things that pull at us, we are reminded, called back, to where our center is located, where our hearts truly belong. To celebrate the mystery of God made flesh and to joyously receive the coming Christ among us, the Word made flesh, the Word that gives life and hope and breath to us all. Christmas is about the almighty, all-powerful, transcendent God who comes near to us. Sometimes we do talk about the transcendent God, mysterious and unknowable, beyond comprehension, which is true. But this celebration is about God the Creator, who takes on flesh, our flesh, and becomes one of us, living among us. In the midst of the darkness and the chaos of our lives, Jesus comes announcing life and not death. In John's Gospel, we hear Jesus say, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus' way is the way of God, the way of life. He is the word spoken in the midst of our chaos and darkness that brings life even when it feels impossible. And in and through Jesus, we are shown how we are meant to be, full of life, full of hope, full of joy, that even as God has poured upon us the new light of God's incarnate word, we are to allow that light to shine forth in our lives. That's what Christmas living really means. It means that unlike those lights and ornaments and Christmas cookie tins, we do not get to pack up the mystery and joy and truth of Christ's birth for the next 11 months. 
but rather we are called to live this truth every day. We are called to let the incarnate word of God live in us and through us. The incarnation, God becoming flesh, has shown us a different, more excellent way of life and living in this world. And we are called to live with love and justice for the whole of creation. During the Christmas season, I always think a lot about Christmas growing up. Do you remember how magical those days were? How you could hardly sleep because of your excitement? In my house on Christmas Eve, my brothers and I would all pile into one bed and read Christmas books until we couldn't hold our eyes open anymore. We, of course, read the classics, but my favorite Christmas book has always been Why Christmas Trees Aren't Perfect by Richard Schneider. And since it's the day after Christmas, and we're all a little tired, and they ask the children's and youth director to preach, we're going to have a little story time. I promise that there is a point, but for now, sit back and listen to one of my favorite childhood Christmas stories. They say that if you creep into an evergreen forest late at night, you can hear the trees talking. If you listen very carefully to the whisper of the wind, you can hear the older pines tell the younger ones why they will never be perfect. They will always have a bent branch here, a gap there. But long, long ago, all evergreen trees were perfect. Each one took special pride in its branches that sloped smoothly down to a pointed edge and a top with an evenly shaped skirt. This was especially true in a small kingdom far beyond the Carpathian Mountains in Europe. Here, the evergreen trees were the most beautiful of all. For here, the sun shone just right, not too hot, not too dim. Here, the rain fell just enough to keep the ground moist and soft, so no tree went thirsty. And here, the snow fell gently, day after day, to keep every branch fresh and green. Each year, as Christmas approached, the Queen's woodsmen would search the royal evergreen forest for the most perfect, most beautiful tree. The one fortunate enough to be chosen would be cut down on the first Sunday of Advent. It would then be carefully carried to the castle and set up in the center of the Great Hall. There it reigned in honor for all the Christmas celebrations. Out in the hushed forest, every evergreen hoped for this honor. Each tree tried to grow its branches and needles to perfection. All of them strained to have the best form and appearance. One tree, small pine, grew near the edge of the forest and promised to be the most beautiful of all. As a seedling, it had listened carefully to the older trees who knew what was best for young saplings. And it had tried very hard to grow just right. As a result, everything about small pine, from its deep sea green color to the curling tip of its evenly spaced branches, was perfect. It had, in fact, already overheard the jealous whispers from other trees. 
but it paid them no mind. Small Pine knew if one did one's very best, what anyone else thought didn't matter. One cold night, when a bright full moon glittered over a crusty snow, a little gray rabbit came hopping as fast as he could into the grove of evergreens. The rabbit's furry sides heaved in panic. From beyond the hill came the howling of wild dogs and the thrill of the hunt. The bunny, his eyes wide with fright, frantically searched for cover. But the dark, cold trees lifted their branches artfully from the snow and frowned. They did not like this interruption to their quiet evening when growing was at its best. Faster and faster the rabbit circled as the excited howling of the dogs sounded louder and louder. And then Small Pine's heart shuddered. When the terrified rabbit ran near, Small Pine dipped its lower branches down, down to the snow. And in that instant before the wild dogs broke into the grove, the rabbit slipped under Small Pine's screen. He huddled safely among the comforting branches while the dogs galloped by and disappeared into the distance. In the morning, when the rabbit went home to his burrow, Small Pine tried to lift its branches back up to their proper height. It strained and struggled, but the branches had been pressed down too long in the night. Oh well, Small Pine thought, no matter. Perhaps the woodsman wouldn't notice a few uneven branches near the ground in a tree so beautiful. Several days later, a terrible blizzard lashed the land. No one remembered ever having so much wind and snow. Villagers slammed their shutters tight and birds and animals huddled in their nests and dens. A brown mother wren had become lost in the snow. With feathers so wet, she could barely fly. She went from one large evergreen to another looking for shelter. But each tree she approached feared the wren would ruin its perfect shape and clenched its branches tight like a fist. Finally, the exhausted wren fluttered toward small pine. Once more, small pine's heart opened, and so did its branches. The mother wren nestled on a branch near the top, secure at last. But when the storm ended and the bird had flown away, small pine could not move its tall branches back to their perfect shape. In them would be a gap evermore. Days passed and winter deepened. The packed snow had frozen so hard that the deer in the forest could not reach the ground moss they ate to survive. Only the older, stronger deer could dig through the icy snow with their hooves. One little fawn wandered away from his mother. Now he was starving. He inched into the pine grove and noticed the soft, tender, evergreen tips. He tried to nibble on them, but every tree quickly withdrew its needles so the tiny deer could not chew on them. Thin and weak, he staggered toward small pine. Pity filled the tree's heart, and it stretched out its soft needles for the starving fawn to eat. But alas, when the deer had scampered away, small pine's branches looked very ragged. Small pine wilted in sorrow. It could hear what the larger, still perfect trees were saying about how bad it looked. A tear of pine gum oozed from the tip of a small branch. Small pine knew 
and could never hope for the honor of being the queen's Christmas tree. Lost in despair, Small Pine did not see the good queen come with the woodsmen into the forest. It was the first Sunday of Advent, and she had come to choose the finest tree herself because it was a special celebration year in her kingdom. As the royal sleigh, drawn by two white horses, slowly passed through the forest, her careful eye scanned the evergreens. Each one was hoping to be the royal choice. When the queen saw small pine, a flush of anger filled her. How could such an ugly tree and these drooping branches be allowed in the royal forest? She decided to have the woodsman cut it down and throw it away, and she nodded for the sleigh to drive on. But then she raised her hand for the sleigh to stop, and she glanced back at the forlorn pine. She noticed the tracks of small animals under its uneven needles. She saw a wren's feather caught in its branches. And as she studied the gaping hole in its side and its ragged shape, understanding filled her heart. This is the one, she said, and pointed to small pine. The woodsman gasped, but did as the queen directed. To the astonishment of all the evergreens in the forest, small pine was carried away to the great castle. There it was decorated with shimmering silver stars and golden angels, which sparkled and flashed in the light of a thousand glowing candles. On Christmas Day, a huge Yule log blazed in the fireplace at the end of the great hall. While orange flames chuckled and crackled, the queen's family and all the villagers danced and sang together around small pine. And everyone who danced and sang around it said that small pine was the finest Christmas tree yet. For in looking at its drooping, nibbled branches, they saw the protecting arm of a father or the comforting lap of a mother. And some, like the wise queen, saw the love of Christ expressed on earth. So if you walk among evergreens today, you will find, along with rabbits, birds, and other happy living things, many trees like small pine. You will see a drooping limb that gives cover, a gap offering a warm resting place, or branches ragged from feeding hungry animals. For as have many of us, the trees have learned that living for the sake of others makes us the most beautiful in the eyes of God. The end. I hope you can see why I love this story so much. And even though it's a Christmas story, I think it's perfect for today. Today, we consider what it means to really live like we believe the incredible truth of Christmas, that God, the creator of the universe, takes on flesh, our flesh, and becomes one of us, lives among us, and shows us what love really looks like. If we believe that this is true as we proclaim, it has to change us. We cannot simply put away the decorations and call this Christmas a job well done. We must be transformed by this truth. Reminded that just like Jesus, we are called to live life for the sake of others. 
called to be bearers of love and light in the world. To remind a weary world that once the Christmas lights are put away, an even brighter light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never overcome it. Today's passage from Colossians gives us a clear picture of what this looks like. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, indeed to which you are called in one body. As we look to this new year, many people will use this as a time of reflection and goal setting, planning. What do we want 2022 to look like? How will we change? How will we be different? And while giving up chocolate or taking on more exercise or drinking more water are all very difficult and challenging goals to consider for 2022, what would it look like to really do some Christmas living this year? To take the words of Colossians and put them into practice in your life. How can you clothe yourself in kindness, humility, meekness, or patience? How can you clothe yourselves above all in love and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? What does it look like for this to pour forth from us, this extravagant truth that God loved the world so much that he sent his son, that Christ is born, Emmanuel, love made flesh. The light shines in the darkness. It's my sense that the world could use more than just 12 days of that good news. May our lives daily be a reflection of God's incredible incarnate love, love that lived always for the sake of others. Amen.